All right. Now, you uh, were given last week and also this week a pamphlet concerning gambling. This is something that I prepared based on some other studies I've done previously, because I've been preaching about this since 1993 for pastors in the um, Christian counseling, because we had a meeting with the prime minister. A good number of us attended, had some dialogues with him. And uh, he said that he wanted us to come back before any final decision is made, although personally, I think the decision has been made. I don't say I'm not believing him, but I believe that's just the reality of it. All right, he's trying to accommodate us a little bit. Um, and next time we meet with him, he's gonna bring all the men in his cabinet or his group that favors legalized gambling. In context, it's legalizing numbers, all right? Because we have the casino already and all that kind of a stuff. And uh, so they want to prepare for that, and so they asked me to, to, to prepare something that they could use as a basis for discussion, and that was done. So I thought I'd give it to you as well, so that you could have something that you could use also. Because as I said, if we're gonna have any change here, I believe it's gonna be important that the people themselves, you, speak out about these issues, not just the politicians, not just the preachers. Because actually, they hardly anybody listen to preachers. When you write anything in the paper, they laugh at you, call you all kind of names. But if you as a Christian writer, it's a whole different story. You have more uh, clout in writing the newspapers than I would have. That's true. That's just how they disdain preachers today. That's why the last letter I wrote, I think it came out on Saturday, I didn't put Pastor Lee. I put Alan Lee. First I had Citizen Alan Lee, so they wouldn't throw it aside. Now that's terrible when you have to do something like that. But that's where we've come. The point is, you need to speak out about these kinds of things. And this is a very, very important one, because I am personally convinced that if we do legalize, or some like to call it regularize, the numbers especially, in spite of the fact that casinos are already oh, legalized, if you want, at least allowed to be here, if we legalize it, it's going to be a terrible social negative impact upon our society. It is right now, if you know what all, what all is going on. And so I believe it's important for us to discuss. So what I want to do is, I'm going to go through this uh, outline with you. I call this the practical and biblical perspective on gambling. In the light of the prevailing and pervasive pressure on Bahamians to legalize all forms of gambling, uh, especially numbers now, and also it has to do with internet gambling. Because actually the focus is not necessarily just legalizing um, numbers. It's, uh, it's legalizing internet gambling for the Bahamas. And that poses another problem. Uh, the Prime Minister says the one reason why they want to do it, one of the major reasons, well, two reasons. Number one, when it comes to internet gambling, it's so difficult, if not impossible, to stop just because it's in cyberspace. So the questions asked him, well, you know, he even in the newspapers, in fact, right in front of us, says, we know flowers do this. He called his name. 
but they do nothing to arrest them or to enforce the law. He says, we can't. Why? Because if you go into the store, he says, everything is done on the internet, they ain't got no proof. That's the excuse now. That's what they say. But that's what they use. When they go to the court, you say, you need this. I'm just giving you, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm uh, doing it. And so that's why it's difficult. Secondly, he says, listen, since we cannot do it, or so it's difficult to do, the government could make a lot of money by granting them license and charging for it, and even perhaps taking something off the top. And he says, listen, right now, the government is having a lot of t trouble getting money, revenue, into the coffers, into the treasury. And we could see what we could get. E now, this is, this is the conversation he had with the pastors. Anywhere from 50 to 70 million dollars just out of license fees. So that would do a lot for us. We could help the poor, we could do the, you know, the, all the old, same old story. So that's where it stands. But of course, uh, the, the pastors who attended are uh, against it. And uh, these are some of the reasons we are giving for that. So let me continue. Why Christians should not support legalized gambling in any form? I've included that before. I had lottery and numbers, but I says in any form because of internet. Let me begin with what I call some disclaimers. I'm not going to be talking about if I don't have to, unless you ask the question. Uh, I don't want to address necessarily the issue relative to the legality or illegality or even the constitutionality of the present law that prohibits Bahamians from gambling in casinos. To me, that's another issue right now. We have that. That's already present, all right? And as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't impact what we're talking about, right? We're trying to prevent the oil spill from coming onto our shores. In other words, you've already had it spilled there in the casino, that's there. But let's try to stop this legalization of internet or gambling or the numbers, that's where I'm getting at. So I don't want to get off of those things that has nothing to do with this particular issue at this time, unless you have a concern about it. You see, another reason, because I believe that one of the reasons why we have the present law that prohibits Bahamians or, or, or uh, permanent residents is, to me, there's too much political stuff involved in that part. And uh, even racial, if you want. And I just don't want to get into that part of it because it doesn't go anywhere. We just argue. And I don't think it makes sense. I like to apply the biblical principle, and I gotta watch out where I cast my pearls. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? All right. First, or secondly rather, also, I do not overlook the paradoxical real life situations in which many Christians find themselves. In that even though they are, and, and, and though we oppose gambling, that we nevertheless have not only to do business with firms and people who make their living on gambling, but also have to work and make a living for themselves in such places and with such people as well. Now, in a country like ours, that literally exists on tourism, of which gambling is a major source for our national income, anything else is impossible. In other words, it's just impossible for any Christian to live in this society with dealing with people who deal in gambling. 
that's the cost of living in a fallen world. And we'll see when we come to the rest of the verses in 1 Corinthians 5 that we're dealing with. That's what Paul says. Paul says, listen, if we had to go, if we have to uh, avoid all sinners and their sinful deeds, we'll have to go out of the world. But now he says, when you keep, when it comes to keeping company and associating with Christians who claim to be Christians, and they gamble, and they do all this, and that's a different story. You can and you must disassociate yourself. That's what he says. In other words, Paul is actually saying it's easier to just live in this world with non-Christians than it is to live with Christians who sin. Who sin. Interesting. We're going to pick that up next week. So, what I'm saying is, uh, these are some of the excuses people bring. Says, well, you take offering, they like to say, from people who work at the casino. I said, I guess we probably do. He said, why do you do? I said, because they put it in. Are we going to stand at the door and ask everybody where you got your money from? That's the reality of living in a fallen world. And we must remember that. There are some things we can do, but the others we can't. He's like, oh, you're being hypocritical, man. You're talking about avoiding gamble, but you take all these money. Well, I say, I follow D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was preaching this sermon in Chicago many years ago. And the known gangster came into the meeting. And after the service, he said, man, that was a great sermon. He says, I want to give D.L. Moody $10,000. Now, back then, that's plenty of money, plenty of money. So the deacon came up and said, Mr. Moody, you got this gangster here. And he wants to give $10,000, but I don't think we should take it. So what should we do? Moody looked at him and said, Young man, take the money. Said the devil had it long enough. It's time now for Jesus to use it. <laughs> to me, that's good logic. All right? All right. What I'm saying is, that's life, that's the, in a paradoxical world in which we live, you see. Now, here's another question I want to, and I want, want to go through this a little slowly, because some people say that gambling is not immoral, it's amoral. In other words, it's neutral, gambling. So I ask the question, and I want to answer it if we can, is gambling a moral issue? Can it properly be described as right or wrong? Or is it amoral, that is, morally neutral? A second question, in a country that has purposely rooted the principles of biblical Christianity within its very constitution, and I say purposely because it mentions it, it doesn't mean that it's an integral part of the, of the constitution, but yet it flavors the whole thing. The question then is, is it morally right for those who govern such a country to legalize a once outlawed activity and encourage, encourage its citizens to do it, because that's what they're going to be doing when they do it. You see, these are the basic questions we want to look at. So let's begin. What is gambling? Here is one definition given by Wayne Oates and Ray Pritchard in a book. Gambling is the betting of something of value on the outcome of an uncertain event 
whereby the winnings are not determined by value, service, or goodwill. We could even say skill or intelligence. But only on chance and in such a way that the winnings are gained from the loss of others. Now here are some elements in that definition so we could understand it better. First, the first element in this definition is the use of something of value. Unless you lose something of value, it's saying it's not really gambling. Even if you lose something up to the value of what you win, or what could be won, it's not gambling because it's an equal exchange. You see what I'm saying? It has to do with something of value to get something back that is much more valuable than what you put in. Secondly, is the risk of loss of that something of value. If you, there's no risk of loss, there's no gambling. Thirdly, the gain of the winner is at the expense of the losers. In gambling, it's impossible to win unless you got a loser. Fourth, the desire to win. In other words, the desire to beat the risk, to overcome the odds of winning. Now, the results are governed by the ratio of chance to odds. In other words, the, what you get back depends upon the ratio of chance to odds. There can be no gambling without the elements of risk-taking and a desire to win. Nobody gambles if they do not want to win. The nature of both determines the degree of intensity and the intensity the gambler puts into his act of gambling. Let me just tell you what I mean. Playing cards is not gambling. Horse racing is not gambling. Bingo is not gambling. Rolling dice is not gambling in and of themselves. What is gambling is betting money or something of value on the outcome of doing those things. People gamble on baseball, on basketball, on football. Those games themselves are not gambling. It's only when you bet something on the outcome of which you have no control that it becomes gambling. Do you understand that? Any questions on that one? Now, why do people gamble? The answer is simple. Pastor Renly, you won't win. If you didn't want to win, you won't gamble. And what you want to win? You want to win more than you put in. You want to win more than you put in. Not only that, you want to win more in a short period of time, more than you could get if you had to work for that same period of time. See, this comes into play for that lady who gave me so much trouble on the radio the other day. Hand of your alert, but she really gave me trouble. She said she don't believe I was a Christian. She says I'm a manipulator of words because she says she's a Christian and she ain't seen nothing wrong with gambling. You want to win. And someone has said that even though, and they've proven this certain calculations they've done, even though it is more likely 
that you would be eaten by a shark than to win, say, a lottery or even to contract AIDS through contaminated blood. Gamblers still gamble. Although they, although they know the odds are always against them. Do you, under, do you believe that? Do you understand this? If there were more losers, if there were more winners than losers in Las Vegas, Las Vegas will close down in one week. Do you know what keeps Las Vegas going? The losers, not the winners. The losers. That's why they say the house always wins. The deck is always stacked against you. But people still gamble. Why? Because the desire to win is greater than the intellectual persuasion. Gambling has nothing to do with intellect. Nothing. It has nothing to do with skill. Nothing. It all has to do with chance. Lady Luck. And fate. F-A-T-E. Although, do you realize that the, mo the person with the greatest fate is a gambler? But their faith is not in God. Their faith is in Lady Luck. So write down when you get it, their faith is in chance. It's like the big discussion between evolution and, 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 um, and, and creationism. Chance, like chance is a, is a person or somebody. It's not. That's why many people who think from the religious point of view look at gambling as paganism. Worshipping a god of chance. Hoping that Lady Luck would smile on me. Not God, but some god by the name of fate or luck. It's a form of paganism. Now, understand this. Most gamblers do not gamble because it's logical or wise to gamble. They simply want to win. Regardless of the odds against them are doing so. That means something else comes into play. Why? I believe that one of the most forceful, practical, common sense reasons that can be given for a person not to gamble is that gambling is intellectually irrational. It is simply not a rational way to spend your money. Gambling is not a form of investment. It's a form of throwing away your money without thinking. By the way, let me say this to you who like to say, well, you know, a little gambling is nothing I could do with enjoyment and pleasure. If you gamble, guess what? You're a gambler. The amount of money has nothing to do with it. It's like of a deal I read of a, of a plot of a, of, a, of a movie some time ago where this couple was in desperate need of money. So a proposition was made to the wife by a rich man. If I give you $5,000, would you have sex with me? Woman goes, what kind of woman do you think I am? I said, what about a million dollars? So how many times? 
And the man says, well, I have determined one thing tonight. You are a prostitute. It only depends upon your price. Money has nothing to do with it. The woman is a prostitute by conviction, if you want. That's the same thing with gambling. You gamble, you gambler. It has nothing to do with the amount. That's why it's important for us to see the nature of the gambling. Now, let me briefly go with some, before I look at some of the reasons why I don't think, let me look at it from a uh, practical point of view as to why I don't, well, by looking at some of the reasons people give today to say gambling is okay. And I hope this helps you. First, some people say life is a gamble. Have you heard that? Now that means if life is a gamble, then it's okay for me to gamble in numbers. That's, that's the reasoning. But that's a false concept. Life is not a gamble. If anything, it's an investment. Because one thing right away, if you say life is a gamble, you're saying that God who created you made you a gambler. And you forgot all about speaking to Christians about Psalm 139 that tells us how the Lord forms us and plans all our days and everything else. It's not by chance. It's not by luck. It's by the providential power of a loving God that we live. It's a false concept. Life is not a gamble. Life does have risks, but they are not unnecessary risks. They are necessary risks. All gambling is risk-taking, but not all risk-taking is gambling. Do you understand that? So this doesn't make sense. So don't let people bandoozle you with that kind of thinking. Another thing they say like, well, it's all right. Why? Because it's only entertainment. Now again, what's the logical fallacy there? What they're saying is, whatever is entertaining is okay. That's, the, that's, where, that's where the logical thing goes out. But that does not do it. That's not true. Not everything that is entertaining is right or moral. Now, I don't have to give you the descriptions of that. You know that. So don't let that argument be a problem. Well, here's the favorite one. The church does it. You like that one? I always get that one. I tell them, we haven't had bingo here yet. At least, not yet, you know, or raffle. We ain't do that yet. I hope you never do it. You know, you ain't gonna do it. Well, anyway. <laughs> the church does it. So my answer to that is, that may be true. But not everything every church does is right. Isn't that right? Not everything every church does is right. So just because the church does it, doesn't make it right. The ends do not justify the means. Using an immoral means to add or aid a moral one is immoral. This is why even in the case of churches that use gambling to aid its ministry, simply baptizing an immoral activity with the sanction of a church does not make it right. I like what Norman Geisler said in his book called Gambling is a Bad Bet. Quote, those who trust God don't gamble. And those who gamble do not trust God to provide for them. 
So, as stark as it seems, we must choose, as Christians, between God and gambling. Now, that's stark, isn't it? But that's true. See, if you think these things true, you'll see how foolish it is to ever think that gambling is amoral. Nothing is wrong with it in itself. The fourth reason some people give is people are going to do it anyway. This is one that the prime minister uses. They can do it anyway. But there's another faulty basic assumption here. If people, this is what they're saying, if people are going to do it anyway, then legalize it. And when you legalize it, you make it okay. Now, if this were a reasonable argument, then why shouldn't we apply it to murder, to rape, to incest, to wife and child abuse, to drugs? and Because that's going on all the time, isn't it? If everybody's going to do it anyway, actually, you know something? Then you wouldn't need no prisons. You don't need no jails. You see, these things, these are foolish, but yet people use them, and Christians don't answer back. That's why I believe if we do legalize numbers or anything like that, we should call them for what they are, legalized immoral vices. Because that's what they were. Yeah. I was in a conversation over the same, the idea of people going to do it anyway. And I, and I read your, part of your document and... Um, when you said um, people are fornicating, people are doing other, other sin, they told me that, well, that's in Scripture. Thou what in Scripture? I mean, that thou shall not, you know, commit adultery, thou shall not steal, all those things. The, the Ten Commandments um, specifically state that. But there's nothing in Scripture, in black and white, that you could say um, what gambling so well, I, I, I brought it to their attention. I know I was right. I said, well, you know, when Jesus was being crucified, they gambled, at his, gambled for his garment. And who gambled at his garment? It were the Roman soldiers. And who were they? They were the one who crucified Jesus. I don't know if I was right or wrong, but I just had to use that as a... Well, actually, most people will even doubt that I was gambling as such. Because it seems that all they were doing is something like what they call casting of lots, which is not gambling. It is simply making the decision who would get something. The other people didn't lose anything or nothing was put out. It was simply saying, all right, here's Jesus' garment. Who's going to go into? Let's draw straws. Or let's throw the number suits, the highest or lowest or whatever. They didn't lose anything. They didn't put up anything. They just got something. You see what I'm saying? That's the same thing where they were doing with the, for instance, casting lots for the choosing of, uh, of uh, the uh, Apostles or whoever they were. Uh, apostles, right? They weren't gambling people. They were just trying to figure out which one of these two, three, or whatever, will be chosen. There was no gambling here at all. That's a misconception, you see? That's why it's important to understand some of these things. It's very important to do that. Now, again, this is an I. Uh, thing that people bring up at gambling, the Bible doesn't say anything about gambling. See, that's because they don't understand the nature of gambling. I was talking just now, but why do people gamble? They know that the odds are stacked against them. 
It's because they want to win. Why they want to win? Because they're greedy. All gambling to the bottom line has to do with greed. And greed is a sin. It has to do with covetousness. You covet what other people have. Yes. Possibly, I read the, the, the pamphlet that you gave out, and that was good. Was big enough. That was one thing that I didn't. I don't agree with you. Good. Because in the beginning, you say you learn sometime. When you get go ahead. Tell me why. Anyway, you 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 begin by saying um, the government will literally be taking advantage of people who are poor. Right. By legalizing gambling, so they'll be the ones more so who will be doing the will be doing the gambling. But then after that, you jump and you say people who who like to gamble, people who gamble is because they're greedy. I don't agree with you with that. I think people gamble. Out of desperation. Some people gamble out of desperation. It gets to the point maybe when it's it's greed. But I think the majority of people, if you're going to say the majority of people who gamble, and the fact that the government's going to be taking advantage of these people, these groups of people you say come under the people who are poor, then you can't jump and say they're greedy. See, I would personally. You mean a poor, you mean a poor person cannot be greedy? No, because that word that word tags on something else to it. That word tags on something else to it. What? It assumes that I am interested in excess. See, a, greedy, a person could be poor and be greedy, yes. But when you say, if I am poor, and you tell me, because I want to gamble, I want to gamble because I'm greedy. To be honest with you, that's going to really tick me off. Good. Why? Mm -hmm. No, it's going to really tick me off. Now, I'm not for gambling, but I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm going to look at you and say, now, how dare this person tell me? And I can look at them and say they're in a better financial situation than me and tell me, I'm greedy. So it's not, to me, it's, it, it, it is, I don't want to belabor the point, but for me at this point, my understanding of it is people looking at an easier way. Instead of saying, well, I could work for it. It just feels that they're like caught in this cycle or whatever. It's usually out of frustration, out of um, desperation. Exasperated, you can't get, get any way out. So let me just pay this fifty cents or a dollar. It's not gonna make a difference. I, I think it's more of that to me. My understanding. Well, I am sure that is the case. But every uh, listen, uh, every report on when it comes to the studying why people gamble, and it's not necessary from a religious point of view at all. You have the element of greed in it. You have the element of avarice in it. You have the element is that you want to get something quick without earning it, you see. In other words, the, the phrase they like to use is that it destroys the work ethic and so on. Sure, I'm sure there are people who are just hoping because of their situation that they would win. And you might say it's not greed, it's desperation. I'll still disagree with you with that by understanding where you're coming from. But... It has been demonstrated in just about everything I've read. Even people who are for it would say that the only thing that keeps gambling going is people under the poverty level. That's all. That's been demonstrated again and again and again. Egan. Um, I'm going to ask it because I think it's the appropriate time to ask it because one of the things out of this context of the gambling that bothers me the most, and you know because of 
my situation that I've been discussing with you for quite some time is to hear the government uh, admitting that they're unwilling to enforce the law that is in front of us. And this here, this statement here, people are going to do it anyway. My question to you is, um, as a church, as Christians, how do you feel we should be responding and or uh, doing to hold this type of thing accountable? Because it seems like that's one of the reasons we're in the boat we're in today is that we haven't held them accountable. I mean, we've seen these places all down the streets. We've driven by them, but we haven't collectively held the government accountable to uphold the law. You know, the prime minister says that they can't uphold the law. Well, I have to have a business license. Well, what kind of business license do they have to do what they're doing and make the deposit? I mean, I go to deposit $20,000. Someone's asking me, where'd you get it? So my question here is that people are going to do it anyway. Um, as, as a church, as Christians, it, where, where do you see us in that holding the, the government, which is there to enforce the law and protect us, I think we have to demand that they do. And again, I, I think it has to do with the people themselves, with the ballot boxes and your representatives. How many of you have gone to your representative to talk about um, what he's saying here about enforcing the laws? How many of you? All you're looking is for somebody else to do it. You're looking for... How many of you go, have gone to your representative and say, hey, we need you to enforce these laws, to see that these laws are enforced. The pastors are trying to hold the prime minister and his government to the fact that no matter what the cost is, no matter how, much, how difficult it is, you need to enforce the laws that you have. Now, there have to be some, regardless, of, even if the laws are enforced right now, some new laws have to be drawn up to take into consideration internet gambling, because there's no, nothing in the laws for that at all. But as far as what we have already, the laws are already there. But he says we don't have enough policemen. Well, maybe look at other things to cut down that you shouldn't be doing that you are doing, you see. But no, I think that's the point. But again, it ha you have to do it as citizens. Hold your representative responsible. Write letters as well. When, you see, as I said, it's coming to a point now with the pastors, when we make representative, we, we really not, they don't take us seriously anymore, unfortunately. They laugh at us. That don't mean we're going to stop, mind you. But I think you'll see more power. For instance, right now, suppose each one of you would decide to write the edit of the paper and just take one of the points that you agree with, anyone, and just says, I don't believe we should legalize the account, and just put that one point, that's all. Don't think it, just put that one point. Suppose all of you do that. Do you think we will have, wouldn't have some response? I'll bet you will. But while, while, let, me, let me say this too, by the way. I, you see, we have come, we've come so dependent on the government to do everything for us, that when it comes to a point of holding accountability, we don't have any power. Because all they can say, well, I ain't going to do that for you anymore. You see, we've become so dependent on the government. You listen to these talk shows. The government don't do this. The government do that. The government, everything. The government don't give me this. The government don't give me that. You see, we've got to get away from that attitude. What you're saying, you're right. Um, as a people, as a body of Christ, we do need to get together 
You know, when anything else happened, we have riots. They get their picket fence. But as a body in Christ, we do need to get together and stand. And what I wanted to say, too, is that when it comes to people saying that they don't see anything in the word where gamble, there's nothing in the word saying that you should not gamble. It's all, it's all through the Bible. It's, it's all through the Bible. Faith. If you don't have faith. Well, of course, you know, they used to say the same thing about homosexuality. There's not, the Bible nowhere says it. They, they use the same thing. There's nothing in the Bible about the Trinity. How do you get the truth of the Trinity? By bringing the truth of Scripture together. Same principle. See, it's very important for us to understand that. And another thing, too, is when it comes to people in desperate need, and they feel the need, there it goes there with fate again. And the word says, when people go there to gamble, what do they gamble for? Things of this world. And if you're lovers of this world, you're enemy of Christ. Who want to be an enemy of Christ? Mm-hmm. So that's it right there. Okay, good. Maori. Yeah. <clears throat> I just want to follow up pretty much on the same line. Um, I think this is the second or third time that I've heard this point made about poverty being a reasonable inducement sometimes for people to gamble. And from a, a biblical point of view, I think something else we that sometimes get missed, gets missed out of the argument is very important is the concept in the Bible of stewardship. If a poor person takes whatever little money that they do have and they squander it because the reality is, and it is true what Pastor Lee said, that in most cases people that gamble will lose. How does that speak to the whole idea of stewardship? Because if you, if you have something and you throw it away, um, and let's just say, worst case scenario, some mother that, that has children that she needs to feed, but the idea is that I'm going to put this money in, in the lotto or buy numbers or whatever and loses it, that is horrible stewardship. And so I think that from a Christian point of view, God holds us accountable for the things that we do have. I mean, there, there are other aspects of Scripture that teach us about being, learning to be content in our circumstances. And the, the work ethic as well, working hard for certain things. And so I think it's you have to be careful to, to buy into these persuasive arguments, but, but they violate important principles of right. scriptures as far as how we ought to live. So right. there are lots of things that we could say that are convenient, but they are not necessarily true. Um, so that's, that's just something I wanted to share about. That's very good. And that's, that's one of the reasons why it will go through this, what caused us to see that. That's very good, Monty. Yes. I think this is a good lesson for us as to who we pick to lead us. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have to look careful at our leadership when we're electing a leader. Uh, if the government right now didn't need money, would we be having this discussion? Probably not. By the way, there are other ways they could get money, you know. For instance, just tightening up on the way they receive uh, customs. Yeah, but and the people who, the businessmen, and not only businessmen, local people who teeth in from the government. Yeah. Just when it comes to customs and falsifying invoices. So they need to be more creative. But you know what they, they do? In, but let me tell you what they say. <laughs> this is a wicked world we live in. We brought this up to the, to the group there with the prime minister. So one of, them, one, of the, one of his men say, well, you know, right now the churches don't have to pay property tax. Suppose we make the church pay... Suppose we make the, the church pay property tax. We could get plenty of money. I said, well then, go ahead. 
But you see, what my point is, you see how they try to get back at you? You see? And you should hear some other things about how much money we receive, the pastors receive every Sunday, and how much go in your pocket. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing they bring up, these little picky things that has no, no significance to get you away from the main core. Uh, and, that, and that's why I'm trying to say, hey, we've got to avoid that. We've got to stop that kind of a stuff. You see? All right. But by the way, when it said people do it anyway, again, tests have shown that that's not true. Most people do not gamble naturally. Most people only gamble if it's convenient, if it's easy. Most people, not everybody. I'm not talking about addictive people, people who do it professionally. Why do you think they have to do so much advertising for lotteries and all these other things? If everybody did it naturally, you didn't have to advertise it. But more money, this is established fact in the United States, more money, at least a great amount of the money that comes in, that they say using for good things, goes toward advertising. Advertising. Now, if everybody's going to do it naturally, why do you have to advertise it? So that's a false argument. Say they can, people can do it anyway. I just want to say one more thing. I, I don't want people to misunderstand what I was saying. It's just that if someone was talking to me about it, I wouldn't go from that particular angle because I would want to offend them. That, that was my point. Okay. But at the same time, I understand what you're saying. That's a good point. And that's one that a lot of people bring up, by the way. But you see, you still cannot take out the elements of average, avarice and greed when it comes to gambling. A desire to have what you don't have that don't belong to you, that the only way you could get it is if other people lose. You see, that's the element that you cannot forget. And we forget that because a lot of people say, I only do it for entertainment. I just, you know, boom, boom, boom. Well, somebody has to lose. And you're taking that money of somebody who probably cannot afford it. So, you see, we don't have... The, the, I could tell you stories of people who have lost mo their money playing the numbers on the horses, who has... Uh, the homes have been broken because the breadwinner takes the money and waste it on gambling. People are counseled all the time for, especially people who work in casinos and just the environment, the kind of the kind of immoral environment that comes about, even for a Christian working in that situation who don't want those things. So many temptations come about as a part of the gambling in the casino environment. The same thing is true of numbers. Although people say, you can't use that argument anymore. I say, why? I say, when last you been into numbers house? I say, not since Stokes days. Now, you're all too young to understand Stokes. But when I used to go to Stokes days, man, that place was a, ooh, you know what I'm saying? But now they get nice fancy places, I understand. I mean, it's real nice. Carpet look pretty, real nice, and everything else. You see? But anyway, all right. Uh, I might have to pick this up again. But one, let me give you, you know, another one, people say it's for good cause. We gamble, we want to do this. Like the government, it's a good cause. We could allow it so we could make money. It's a good cause. But again, the basic line, using an immoral means to aid a moral cause is an immoral action. 
Let me just give you this quote from Peterson in his book called What You Should Know About Gambling. He quotes the Los Angeles Times as stating that a government-sponsored lottery or any legalized gambling for the cause of education would be immoral. Listen to what he says. State-sponsored gambling is immoral because it would make education and other pressing needs of the state dependent on the weakness rather than the strengths of our people. You see, it appeals to the baser elements of the human being, no matter what you say. That's how it is. And as Christians, I don't see how we who understand the Bible can support or even be involved in this kind of gambling. And so my counsel to you as a Christian is that if you're gambling, stop. If you're not, don't begin, don't start. All right? Now, I can come back to this again, but time is gone. But I really think, and I want to encourage you as believers to start speaking out about this issue. As I say, if you're using just one of these points that you agree with, and write to the newspaper, that's all. Just say, I don't agree with it because of that. See if it'll make a difference. Remember, John tells us that we should not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he goes on to say, what? For all that is in the world is what? You look at all of those elements, and you'll see gambling fits into there. But he goes on to do this, say this, but he who does the will, he says all these things will pass away, but he who does the will of God Will abide forever. And I believe that a part of the will of God for us as the believers is not to gamble away the money that God has given us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you that we can gather like this to discuss these current issues. But Lord, we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Help us to realize that the salt can only take effect if it is scattered throughout our community. And so help us as individual believers, to be salt where we are, not just in the bottle and the shaker, but rather impacting the society individually where we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.